Desk Lady Ada. Hey everybody, and welcome to Late Night Desk of Lady Ada. All night, can't stop, won't stop, doing engineering, finding alternative for components of how to stock. Uh, never boring here at the House of Fruit. Yeah, we were filming some cool stuff today right. um, at the Ada Fruit Factory, maskless, because we're vaccinated, so no masks for us uh, on site. And, um, and everyone around us was vaccinated too. Yeah. Um, we're going to have some folks that we invited from the Met Keys Discord. Hello. Um, oh, hi. I wanted them to see the um, RP2040 oh, micro pad. Um, okay, cool. I've, been, I've been giving them some updates that we're making some keeps, and I think this will be really handy because they also have some part shortages. But we'll get to the hardware in a sec. Okay. And then we'll also, um, well, I'll just talk about the logistics for the week. Um, yeah. We have our shows on Tuesday, JP's product picks. And then on Wednesday, we have show and tell. And then Wednesday night, Ada Box. And then we'll release the rest of the videos we normally do. And then Thursday, JP's Workshop. Friday is Deep Dive with Scott. So without further ado, Lady Ada, what is on your desk this week? Okay. Um, as we mentioned, uh, we've got keyboards. The keyboards are on the loose. You want to show them what the keyboards look like? Yeah, we have a logo. You want to show them that first? Or we, yeah, sure. Do you want me to go? No, I have a logo. Um, so... One thing, sometimes we, 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 we have a bunch of different logos, and we don't choose one or, or different ones because uh, they're too extreme or anything. I think someone on Twitter is like, oh, the fuddy duddies in management is like, we're not, we are the least fuddy duddies. It's not. It's just we, yeah. want, we just go with something and so, good. And so the ones that, you know, I'll just I'll zoom in. So I kind of like, like this one. So this is keyboards, and, you know, this is a little bore, and, like, you know, this is a keycap thing. And there's another one. Um, but we're going to start with this, and this is just the beginning of it. And then we're going to do a full character around this because we like the idea that we could put this on a PCB and it'll look good. It's uh, one color. Um, it looks uh, fine reversed as well. And so that's we're something start that you this. can print on the silk screen of a, of a PCB, that's yeah. for sure. So that's the thing. It's, like it's, it's, it's not like we can do anything anymore. So we're going to start with that. Yeah. And, then, and I think we're going to do something with these characters, but yeah. um, these won't be the logos. But just that gives you an idea. I kind of like, like the character, but yeah, it probably won't be a logo. The, the character will be standalone um, when it's more than yeah. just like a PCB or something. Okay. So let's show one of our first let's keyboards. Let's show the keyboards. Oink, oink. So um, this is the board. So I put together two, and this is... Uh, so it's, it's dark because it was like you had, you had bright stuff. So let's lighten it up a little bit. Um, so this is our three by four keypad. There's a little NeoPixel under each key. These are uh, Chaos plug-in uh, switches quite easily. And then for the microcontroller, uh, this is a rotary encoder. Um, this is the back of the rotary encoder. And then this is the USB-C right in the center. And it goes into an RP2040 um, with uh, eight megabytes of flash. And um, the flash memory stores assets uh, such as, you know, like, um, you know, macro command files, uh, firmware. It can also, um, you know, have, uh, you know, HTML files or like other like executables, whatever. What's kind of neat is I was thinking, like, you know, my keyboard actually, when you put it into like um, boot V drive mode, I have a, a Kinesis uh, freestyle. If you if you press two keys, it shows up the disk drive with like the configuration software on it. And I was like, okay, so that's kind of similar to CircuitPython. So it has eight megabytes of flash. It's plenty of flash memory. Um, it's quite a bit. And it's got a little buzzer, so it can beep. Although I might go with a larger buzzer because I actually have the room for it. I can maybe stick, stick I, you know, I can stick the buzzer down here. Like I actually have a lot of room. Uh, it's got a stem QT port, so I can plug in sensors or, or buzzers or whatever I want into there. It's got a reset button, and then this is the OLED connector. So this is it assembled. 
Um, so you can see here's the rotary encoder, and I actually have it running some Circuit Python code. That's why you get the little blink in the corner. This is the OLED. It's a little, of course, it looks flickery because of the camera, but in real life, it, it doesn't look flickery at all. It looks very nice, high contrast. And I put it on this side so, you know, for people, most people have this on the right side of their computer. You'll be able to, you know, you can reach over and press or rotate the rotary encoder. You can see the OLED. It won't be in your way. Your, your hand won't block it. And then I've got these uh, buttons and, you know, each button has an LED. And so I, right now I just have it, when you press the button, it toggles the LED. And when you rotate the rotary encoder, it changes the, the hue of the, um, the buttons. This is just a demo. And then, uh, you know, I can remove the key to show it's just a kind of standard Cherry MX key. And then uh, I'll remove this one. Just You can see the, the NeoPixel underneath that lights through. So that's keybing. So the idea is just to make a generic macro pad. It's not the, you know, the macro pad that'll end all macro pads, but it's like, what's kind of like the most basic thing that covers most people's use cases. So I thought, you know, having a display um, and TFTs, I would have normally actually gone with a color TFT, but I actually can't get color TFTs right now because they're, they're the market yeah. is completely screwed up. Um, and so OLEDs actually I can still get. So I can, I can put an OLED on. And OLEDs, I think, they're kind of nice. So you can do some uh, configuration stuff. And then, you know, we can, of course, program this. Each key is actually not matrix. There's so many pins on the RP2040 that I actually have a GPIO for each pin, which is lovely. It's very easy to debounce them. Um, and it's very easy to, um, you know, if you want to have it, you know, if you're using Arduino and you want them to connect to an IRQ, like, you can do that as well. And then this is USB-C. I have a couple breakouts here just in case I want to connect other stuff, but so far so good. I haven't needed to do that. Um, and then the thing I want to show that was kind of neat. Well, first off, um, you know, this, with the RP2040, what is kind of nice is if you ever want to reprogram it, the bootloader is in ROM, but you have to press down the boot pin while plugging it in. I actually made the boot pin be the encoder, which um, there's a little diode, so I can also you can see it it can detect. Uh, when the encoder is pressed, I actually made it so it just goes a little brighter when that happens. That's how I'm testing it. But if you press this down while plugging it in, it will show up as the bootloader drive. So it's very, you know, it's not, you won't do it accidentally, um, but even if it's an enclosure, you could still get to that button. And then the next thing, which I thought was kind of neat, was um, we recently uh, did a PR. So let's go to my computer and it can show the PR. So this is PR uh, number 4689. Um, and this is from Dan Halbert, who uh, is working on dynamic USB descriptors, something that we've been actually like, it's one of our oldest GitHub issues, so I'm really excited to close it. Um, when we have CircuitPython boards, they automatically show up as a disk drive with all your files on it, a USB CDC REPL, so you can like send it commands, and then uh, MIDI, a device and also HID device, so keyboard and mouse. But there's a lot of situations where people are like, well, I don't want the disk drive to show up or I don't want the REPL to show up. And um, in these cases, we kind of were like, well, you can per you can build your own custom version of CircuitPython. It's really easy to disable it, but there's no like automatic dynamic way to do it. Like it's it just is built into the firmware. Um, well, as of 7.00, like, you know, main branch latest, absolute latest, you can disable um, each individual part of the USB descriptor so you can uh, turn on and off each element as desired. Um, so in this case, uh, he's got some example code. And then um, I was like, I'm going to write this code. And it turned out Deshipu actually wrote 
uh, an example for me, basically. Although um, his is for a matrix keypad, um, but check it out. It's it's actually linked off. He, he commented at the bottom here. He's like, yeah, check out my my example code. Um, so I wrote uh, my own version. So let's zoom in. So this goes into boot.py. And you have to import, you know, it only imports. And then um, I use the first key and I, I set it up because it's boot.py and nothing is configured. You have to start from the beginning. You have to set the key as an input, add the pull up. And then if the key is not pressed, I disable the USB drive. That means by default, the USB drive is, is deactivated. And then if I press the button, that means it will it'll keep the activation, right? So basically, by default, this macro pad doesn't have a USB disk drive show up. But if you want to like update the code, just hold down the first button. So let's let's show that. I'll show it on this side. And then uh, so let's go to my PC. Yeah. So you see, there's no Circuit Pi drive here, right? Nothing, nothing. But if I hold down this button, this is key one. This is you know you pick any button you want. You can do a combo if you want, but I picked this one. And then I'm going to just be super safe. Unplug USB and plug in USB. Now it should, yeah, on the computer, it shows up as a disk drive. So this wasn't there before so because is, I didn't have it. I didn't have that key pressed when I put it in. This is a big feature for people who make keyboards because you can always just boot into edit my keyboard mode. And if you want, if but you, want. you won't get, you won't accidentally get in there and people will be like, what's, yeah. why is my keyboard have a disk drive? Yeah. And so, you can do the same thing for the U USB CDC REPL. However, I will just say, it's a little risky if you do this, right? Once you start disabling multiple things, if you're not absolutely positive, you can get back into it. You, you can, you get, you're not like permanently locked out. Like this is not a security feature, but it can be a little annoying to get back in to be able to edit those files. So just like, just be super yeah, careful. One other thing, and you know, there's some advanced folks in the chat. There's also some beginner folks. There's also folks who've never tuned into something like this. Um, look how easy it is to figure out what's going on in, in this file called boot.py. Import board, import, import digital I.O. Maybe you don't know what those things are, but then like import storage, import USB CDC, import USB HID. So like right away, it's like, oh, this thing, there's this, this, this thing has storage and it uses USB and HID stands for human interface device. Mm. So, so that's kind of neat. Like in looking at the, the code, the text itself, you're like, oh, this is the key that you press to make it get into this mode. So like anyone can pretty much start to modify this and build off of it. And one of the things that we want to do, and this is, uh, I'll go to this. We think this is going to be like one of the first times people get into keyboards who do maybe lots of coding. Um, they've never built their own custom keyboards so and we'll do a macro pad first. And then there's going to be people who have done a lot of keyboard stuff, but they never really picked up coding yet. And they'll be able to do that with Python. And with this, so we're pretty excited about it. Um, that's why we want to show it off. Hot okay. off the press. Yeah, so it'll be fun. We'll, you know, you'll be able to print out your mapping or, or customization on the on the uh, the OLED. Um, so I have a couple more little things to do. I forgot to add like mounting holes on the bottom, and uh, I'll get rid of these breakouts or I'll be able to put them elsewhere. And I want to change the OLED to one that plugs in instead of solders in to make it a little easier to manufacture. Uh, will the CircuitPython safe mode thing default to all descriptors on? I think safe mode does, yes. So you can always get into safe mode. But um, I think safe mode is not quite working perfectly yet on all these boards. So just don't depend on that. 
We will. That's one of the goals. It's one of the goals, though. But it's just... Yeah. We have a couple solutions for this. Okay. Um, all right. So that's the the keyboard. Oh, and then this is, you know, the the code. If people want to quickly... I can just quickly show. This is, this is the entire code for the whole thing. I set up the display, and I have the NeoPixel stuff. And then I'm actually using... Um, the bouncer, which is this library uh, that was written by uh, David Stiles, and it's actually really nice. It makes it really easy to do, you know, was the key just pressed or just released, and it can it can handle. Um, I think there's even an example for key matrices, but it's very nice because it handles like the, the key rise lower stuff, and I don't have to do that logic. Is Circuit Python fast enough for the low latency keyboard input? Uh, it's fast enough that you won't notice it as a human. Okay. Which is pretty fast. Um, not worried about it. This is running at 133 megahertz. It's it's faster than I mean, it's delayed because I have actually a, a a long delay between stuff, but it's it's, yeah. it's quite fast. And then for the in the other chat, someone says, "Can I do this with MicroPython?" No, not yet. MicroPython does not have HID support for the RP2040 yeah. yet. Um, I think they're working on it, but right now, if you want it to show up as an actual keyboard, we're like. When, like right now, it doesn't, it's not acting like a keyboard. I'm just testing it. But if you wanted to actually type things into a computer, you have to use CircuitPython for that. I'm actually, I don't even think Arduino has support for that yet. Yeah, I think CircuitPython is the only way to really do this right now. Um, or Pico SDK, which is yeah. not fun. So, you um, that, you know, when we like using everything. But like, let's say if I had a really simple project and I have like a Circuit Playground Express thing, I might use MakeCode. Or if there's something that I care about, um, someone being able to edit it later and shows up like a drive, I'll use uh, CircuitPython. Or in this case, um, if I want to do something and have it show up as a keyboard, I'd use CircuitPython. So luckily, you know, all these boards, you can run whatever you want on it. Yeah. Right, I mean, this else? is also not, it's a macro pad. It's not a, it's not a keyboard. I mean, you could do this with a keyboard and it would, again, it would be yeah. plenty fast, but it's not a keyboard. All right, what else? All right, next up, um, we have um, added our pretty pins diagrams. We were showing off the, the tool that automatically makes these pretty pin diagrams. Yeah. So we did um, NRF52 boards. Uh, Phil B uh, walked out and did them. Um, these are... Some of these NRF boards were really annoying. Um, like the the clue, it's like it doesn't have GPIO breakout pins, so it's it's a little it's a little tougher. But we did do um, that. We did the NRF fifty two eight forty feather and the feather sense, and these are just we we have them as PDFs, so the font look good. This one was not too bad to make, but we we like to pull apart um, the internal pins. But what's nice is. You know, I, I created the CSV file for all of the pin muxing, and so all of that stuff happens automatically. And then I've started, um, folks can, you know, you can run this on your own if you want to pretty pin your own boards. I've started the, um, we have our the Arduino pin updates, and uh, there's a pull request including the, I think the SAMD... 21 pins, so maybe I can view this file. Oh, this is not going to be pretty. Okay, so for the SAMD21, the thing that's kind of, you know, it's, it's a little annoying is like, there's so many alternative uses for each pin, um, and we have to have them all in this table. So for every GPIO, there's the, the interrupt number, whether it has ADC, what's the touch, What's CIRCOM? What's the alternative CIRCOM? What's the timer? What's the alternative timer? 
and special inputs like I2S or debug or, or USB. So I did port A so far. Um, unlike other data sheets, I couldn't just copy and paste the data sheet. Like the MUX table for the data sheet did not copy and paste in, so I actually had to like hand make this. Uh, but the good news is that you only have to do it once. And then, of course, it automatically generated. And then um, I have this hilariously bad code uh, that you can check out where um, to determine the, the Arduino pin numbers for each underlying GPIO number. Like, so if PAO2 is Arduino 4 on the feather or Arduino pin 8 on the clue, whatever, um, I actually open up the variant file and, and like, add a bunch of pound defines, delete all the Arduino includes, and I actually compile the variant file, which has, like, the special structure I kind of trick it into letting me compile it and then it spits out the data in the structure because it's very, very, very hard to parse. It's easier to fake out the file um, and then add a main function that actually prints out all the, the pin definitions than actually trying to parse the pound defines and, and the pin table itself. It's going to be it's going to be really, really hard to do that. So. So we did that, um, and so far so good. Yeah, so I just like, you know, I, I, I in Python, I create a C file. And then um, I let it run, and it, it runs fine. So you know, we'll see. So far, so good. I mean, is it hacky? Yes, but I only have to run it once per board. Um, so that's that. Okay, so that's uh, the pretty pins update, and I think that's all I've got for hardware. Okay, a couple good questions. Yeah. Um, I don't know the answer to this. I don't think you do either. Yeah. Um, do you happen to know the status of the RP2040 and the uh, Chibi OS thing? I think that's the embedded... I have no idea how ChibiOS is doing. I don't know of any Artosses or how Yeah, I think that... Check out their forums. I think there's, like, a thread on, like, what they're, they might try to do the porting. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, will the OLED ribbon cable be long enough to route the display up to to be flush with the top of the keys? I'm already thinking about designing a 3D... Yeah, it's printable not. case, lol. It's not, and there's, like, no. no real way around it. It's it's just It's just way too short. I mean, like, it's so short. And if I tried to lift it, it would just it would just tear off. So it's you know it's not it's not the bestest thing, but for the price, here's what I'm gonna say. It's gonna be pretty good. Yeah, these are gonna you're probably gonna build lots of different versions of these. We're gonna have an e-ink one, like one when there's different types of displays. You can also always you know connect an, another OLED yeah. with the Stemma QT port. You know, like there's nothing stopping you from connecting a separate OLED display. Yeah. On you know, the alternative um, uh, I squared C address, and then using that as a display, like it's not going to be, you know, that okay. that's fine. Go for it. Is it a great search time? Yeah, it's time for the great search. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with KJ All right. So every single week. Everyone's talking about the chip shortage. Everyone's saying, right. everyone's saying, oh my gosh, I got to find out where I can get stuff uh, from DigiKey, substitutions, part replacements, you name it. And there's only one weekly show that has a weekly segment, The Great Search, brought to you by DigiKey Native Fruit, where Lady Ada uses all our powers of good to find the things you're looking for at digikey.com. So only, only powers of good. What are you doing this week? Okay, so let's go to the overhead, and I'm going to show this board off. So this is a board that is, it's okay for now. This is my little I squared C to rotary encoder converter. 
And in the middle here, I've got my SAMD-09. The SAMD-09 is a very low-cost ARM Cortex-M0 chip um, that I've got great pricing for, and uh, I use that to read the rotary encoder, and then I act as a I2C peripheral. So you can query the peripheral about the rotary encoder. That's not having to do the rotary encoder math and pin toggling measurements and, uh, you know, pin changes and NeoPixel controlling. That stuff's all handled by this little coprocessor uh, that's controlled over I2C. Wonderful. And I designed like a whole bunch of different boards that were like it. Like I, I, I designed this board that has like four rotary encoders. This one here, which is still it's brand new. And I designed one that has a uh, slide potentiometer. Some folks have seen, you know, over the last few shows, I've designed them. And I designed them all with the SAMD-09. And that's when, you know, the SAMD-09 got kind of hit by this part shortage. And so since these boards were just designed, I don't feel too bad about swapping chips before I order PCBs. Because if I can't get a chip, there's no point in ordering the PCBs on a Lark. I should get something that I can... I can actually acquire in the next, you know, like year or so. So I wanted to, um, there's also a couple things I wanted to improve on this design. Like this, this rotary encoder, by the way, is like a three-year-old design, which we finally got out the door, so I'm, which I'm very happy about. Um, but there's some things I can improve. Uh, for example, the SAMD09, now it's a wonderful chip, but it's three volt only, which means that for it to work over STEMIQT, the I2C, I want it to be three or five volt compatible. So I have to have a, you know, a level shifter MOSFET over here and a regulator over here um, for uh, level shifting and, and regulating the possibly five volt power and logic down to 3.3 volts. So one of the things I would like to find is an alternative. If I'm going to get an alternative, I really want to save you know 15 cents a board and and skip those parts because i need you know fewer capacitors that way fewer diodes fewer placements the boards can be smaller um you can see like it's kind of packed in here um but i still wanted to be able to do all the things that i was having the sam do and um finding a chip that can do that i thought i found a good chip and then and then i'll show you it turns out that it was not actually a very good option because i can't get it uh in any future universe that i can see um but i want to find basically a microcontroller that is physically about the same size as this it's not going to be pin compatible i'm not expecting that three to five volt compatible has eight to 16k uh, flash this has uh 16k of flash memory but i don't actually need all 16. i, I think i could do with half as much i do need a, a, a bunch of ram i need at least like 256 bytes of ram uh, which doesn't sound like a lot um the i squared c buffer itself i'd like to be you know it's going to be 32 bytes in and then 32 bytes out and then i want to control neopixels and that can be another 64 bytes or so so it's going to add up quickly i need 256 bytes at least i wanted to have an internal Crystal, one of the things I really like about this is you notice there's no crystal or resonator. Those are 20 cents, so I want to cut that out too. What I really like about this is that other than the regulator, there's only like, you know, one or two resistors and capacitors needed to get the SAMD up, the SAMD09 up and running. So let's get, let's find something that is similarly uh, very easy to, to get up and running, needs very minimal additional hardware because I don't care if the timing is a little bit slow. Um, because it's going to be 100 kilohertz I2C peripheral. doesn't need to be perfect timing. Yep. General question. Why is the processor rotated 45 degrees on the board? Um, because it, it's, uh, otherwise it would have gone in the way of the 
the pads. If if you look at it, there's if this was not rotated forty five degrees, it wouldn't it wouldn't have fit. I wanted it to fit. There you go. And yeah, it just it wouldn't fit. Uh, okay, so let's go to DigiKey and let's search for this microcontroller. And I'm going to be really flexible about the microcontroller because. Uh, so I'm just going to search for microcontroller, which I usually don't. Right? That's usually millions. It's like is it you know yeah hundred thousand results. So there's a couple different options here, but I really just want embedded. Uh, I want an embedded microcontroller. So let's let's pick that. So yeah, ninety thousand options. So let's zoom in a little bit. Um, so we're going to pick only active parts because I want something that I can get in the next, again, year or so. I don't want something, if, if it's discontinued now, it's never coming back. I'm not going to pick stuff that's in stock, but I'm going to pick something that's normally stocking, right? Because obviously there's a lot of stuff that's not in stock, but might be in the next few months. Um, that's okay. You know, if I can get samples, I can always scrounge up some samples. I can get the designs developed. And then by the time the PCBs show up in you know, a month or two, um, I'll be able to go into manufacture. So this already cuts it down by three quarters. Um, so next up, we're going to actually start picking up specifications. So for GPIO, let's pick that first because it's a very easy thing. I, I want at least 12 GPIO. Um, I actually probably want more, but the reason I want at least 12 is, look, I need, I need, you know, two just for the programming pins. There's a couple programming pins. There's a reset pin. And then I want it to be able to control, you know, a couple of, like, four buttons and f uh, maybe, f you know, four NeoPixels. And then I want it to have address selection pins and the I2C pins and then maybe an IRQ pin. Basically, you do the math and it's like, I need, you know, maybe an activity LED. I need basically 12 GPIO minimum because I don't want to have a different chip for each of these boards, like one for the rotary encoder and one for the um, one with four keys. I want to have one chip for all of them. So I'm going to pick 12... Uh, minimum. So I'm going to use the, the min max boxes down here. Great. Um, next up, I definitely only want to have a uh, surface mount part. I am not going to do through whole list, so surface mount. For oscillator type, um, I'm going to want, um, I don't know what dash means, but I definitely want not external only, like external or internal is fine as long as internal is, is available. Um, for program memory type, there's a lot of these types, but basically I just want flash. I don't want EEPROM or UV or OTP or MASCOM or FRAM. Those are all going to be very expensive. Um, flash is the least expensive, most common. So it doesn't actually cut away a lot of things, but just, just gets rid of the, the ones I'm not, definitely not going to use. Okay, so next we can start doing uh, program memory size. So remember I said I need at least 8K. Now, of course... It depends on the compiler and the optimization and the core and how many, you know, how many bits per instruction. But 8 to 16K is kind of what I want, right? Because also, if you think about it, you know, the original Arduinos were 8, 8K and then um, the, there's the Atmega 8 and they moved to the Atmega 16. And the 32 is, is, is wonderful. I mean, I can, I can keep going, but it's, it's going to get more expensive because what you're paying for when you buy microcontrollers is... is IO pins, it's not really peripherals because like the peripherals are the peripherals. You're paying for flash, RAM, and pins. They're, the more you want, the more it's gonna cost. But let's just go to 32K. So now we've really cut it down because we've gotten rid of a bunch. Um, okay, so finally, uh, RAM. Well, all these are, you know, these, these all have a, a fair amount of RAM. EEPROM, you know, if it has EEPROM, great. 
Uh, so the next thing is I'm going to do that power supply because remember I was kind of picky about the power supply. I really want it to run from 3 to 5 volts. In this case, there isn't like a min-max, so I'm just going to pick out the ones that go up to 5. So here's 5, and this goes up to 5, 5.5, 5 5.2, 5 5.5. Um, 5 .5. So you just got to kind of go through and, and pick up the ones that you want. Oh, as you're doing this, um, yeah. you have not been checking the exclude marketplace and all these is that to add possibilities during the shortages yeah I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna be picky about that yet I'm I'm I get picky about marketplace later and also usually when again as I need something in stock right now and I need it like tomorrow if if this is something that I'm planning for long term I'm going to pick normally stocking because that means it might be out of stock today but it would be in stock tomorrow um, and um, Marketplace, uh, you know, I'm seeing much more stuff showing up in the marketplace. It's not a bad idea. And the pricing can be better in the marketplace. So the oscillator type, what's the difference between external, internal, and internal slash external? It means that you can have either. It can support, some chips don't support any external oscillator. Like, you can't put a crystal on them even if you wanted to. So, it, I don't care if it allows me to, I just won't connect pins. I won't connect a crystal to it. Okay, so I've picked up all the ones that cover... Three to five. There's more here, but of course these go above 3.5 or 3.3, so I don't want them. Okay, so now we're down to about 3,000. Okay, so next up, I'm I'm actually not going to select a core processor yet, and I'll show you why. It turns out it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I also don't care about the speed so much because all of these are well, they're basically eight megahertz or above, which is which is plenty fast for what I'm doing. Um, all of these, I do like that these all have data converters. Um, I'm going to pick only the ones that have uh, ADCs. Some of these have like ADCs and DAX, and you know, that's wonderful. Um, they're all kind of a little different. Okay, so selected all of them, except for the one that has a dash, because I don't want any that don't have ADCs. Almost all microcontrollers these days have ADCs. And then finally, I'm going to do a uh, supplier package. So if you remember that board, I'm, very, I'm actually very picky about the package. Um, I really, really want something that's in QFN, like 16 to 32 QFN, because those are very small. The yield is very good. Um, they're easy to work with, and they're going to come in, in tape and reel, and I just like them. I don't want SYC or SOP. They're going to be huge. I want something very compact. Um, and uh, I found that QFNs, these are sort of my favorite packages. So I'm going to pick out from the supplier device, I'm going to skip the SOICs, TSOPs, and BGAs. You know, depending on your soldering, sometimes people are like, no, I only want SOICs. I want them very easy to solder. Great. Go for it. I want something very compact. So I'm going to pick out the QFNs, QFN, and then you said like, there's UQFN and VQFN. That's like the density, but I don't really care about those. So there's quite a few of them. That's okay. Let's get through them all. QFN, QFN. Oh, not QFP, not QFP. And then couple more QFNs here. Although now I'm getting into like, once I'm getting into this many pins, I don't need something with this many pins. 32 is actually kind of the max. Although 33 usually just means the ground plane. So I'm going to, I'll add that in. Okay. So now we've really cut it down. So now we're down to like 400 options. So we're not going to get all the way down to like two, right? That's not, that's not going to happen. However, we can start now. Um, let's look at prices at 1000 pieces because that's what I care about. So um, there's a couple options here, and I'm not surprised by the options. So the first one is the MS-51, which, which nothing beats how inexpensive it is. Um, however, 
when um, I went to put it in my cart because it's like it's like well it doesn't have the lead time here but you know I do the little trick where I go I put it in my cart and then I click the check the lead time here for a thousand pieces and it says it's not going to show up here till 2023 which I'm not even sure I'm going to be alive then I have no idea what my life is going to look like in two years so that's kind of that's scary to me um, so that's why I, I did get a dev board for this before I saw the lead time, but it's, it's, it's a little bit too scary. Um, for the rest of these, um, a lot of these were really good. Um, I will say I selected, yeah, normally stocking. Um, I, yeah, so all these looked, looked pretty good. Um, There was the, um, a lot of these had EEPROM, which I kind of liked. And once I sort of saw that there were ones with EEPROM, I sort of started thinking like, well, I kind of want to optimize um, for those. I want to have EEPROM because it's, it is kind of nice if I can save the I2C address or configuration in it. So I started, like once I saw that there were ones with EEPROM, I said, okay, well, let's filter out the EEPROMs ones. Um, so the next one, so that actually got rid of the MS ones. So there's the ST8S. This one also had a pretty uh, scary lead time. But what I liked is that there were a bunch of ATtiny806 and then 816s. So these were, these were the ones that were available and were um, about like 60 cents in quantity before I even got a quote. And given that I had a choice between you know, basically for the same, it wasn't that much different in price, the STM8 series and the ATtiny series. I actually ended up um, saying, okay, well, I'm probably going to try the ATtiny series um, just because I know that there is, you know, an Arduino core for them that I can use so I don't have to write as much code for them. Um, the ATtiny 816 uh, in particular, I liked it had both capacitive touch and a DAC. So I ended up getting that one to start because um, I do use uh, capacitive touch for um, the soil sensor and I'm probably gonna have to replace that one. I'm, I'm probably not gonna be able to get that chip either eventually. So I ended up getting um, this as a sample. And what was kind of nice is for the, uh, in my cart, no, one second my cart when I checked the lead time it was like well it's gonna be you know August which was kind of like which is actually pretty good like because a lot of chips are not available till till next year so the fact that they're gonna have it in a couple months um, was kind of promising to me I sort of I, like liked that idea and they did have SOIC versions of this chip in stock which I ordered so I got a dev kit uh, for this board so I can show it on the overhead real fast for this family um, and you know, this is the 817, which is a little bit, uh, bigger, but it has the debugger built in and has, you know, it has capacitive touch, which I thought, again, it was just kind of a neat thing, buttons and all the GPIOs. And this even has like an Arduino-y pinout. So I can get started with this. And there's the X mega core, um, which uses this chip to, uh, give it like an Arduino compatible core. So I can use things like the wire peripheral code. I don't have to do a lot of porting from the existing Seesaw code I have, um, I can port it into Arduino, which I'm very comfortable with. I should be able to do that in about a month. And then I can kind of redesign all the boards that I just did 
into this new chipset. And and I like it. It's a very, you know, very compact chip, very inexpensive. It's about 50 cents per. Has everything. And then uh, to program it, it actually uses a, a one-wire program, which is asynchronous UART. So I don't even need to have all six, you know, SPI, ISP pins, like most, um, if you like, remember most at Megas or at T-Tinies, you have all six, <laughs> unique six pins. Clock, mostly MISO, and reset. You don't need those. You only need uh, the reset pin to program it. So, this is my great search. I think this is. I think this chip is the right chip. So I'm gonna get some. And uh, if you're looking for a low-cost microcontroller, I think this one's gonna be in stock. So check it out. And if you're not looking now, don't worry, you will be soon. Okay, that's the uh, great search tonight. All right. Where in the world is that part I need? All right, and that is Desk of Lady Ada for this week. Don't Yay. forget, Wednesday we'll be doing show and tell. Um, we're hosting it. And then Wednesday night, though, 8 p.m. is Ask an Engineer, but it is the Ada Box unboxing, so you'll see that with JP. That's right. right. So if you've got your Ada Box, tune in and get the guide live. Got lots of projects. It's a good one. Come on by. You might see uh, JP dress up. Um, one question before we go, um, since one came in. Hello, you recently did a bunch of rotary encoders. Do you have... Or are there or are they absolute or just integral? The rotor encoders are not absolute. They only they only increment positive or negative. You're thinking of a rotary switch, which has absolute, but it's they're much tougher to rotate, and um, you need a lot more pins for them. These are just two pins. Okay. All right. Question right at the wire. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.